0: Hi, friends. It's Diane at the Sailing Legends podcast, and I am here with Jeff and Jean Grossman. You've heard their individual interviews, and now I get to quiz them together about their amazing sailing adventures with their toucan sail company and their lives together. They've been married for a while. They've sailed and had all kinds of adventures. So welcome. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: So the first question is, what was it like the first time you sailed together?
2: The first time we sailed together actually was in a bikini cup practice. Um, I had a CNC 38-foot race boat, and at the time there were very few women boat owners. There still are, I think, because they're smarter than we are. But in any case, so in order to race, we would provide our boats to the women, and uh, my group of women would do practices. Jean needed to get some training, and so the woman who match crew to boats assigned her to our boat for practice, and that's how we actually met. So we knew each other for some time before we actually started to date.
0: Well, that sounds really exciting. So tell me about the chemistry when you first started dating. Was it around sailing, or, or how did that work?
2: It was definitely around sailing. Um, we were... Doing a delivery of one of the race boats back from Key West to um, Tampa Bay. And we were part of the delivery crew. And I think that's where we started to really spend some quality time together and realize,
0: hmm, there's something here.
2: And sometime later we were delivering that same race boat back. And so this the two of us delivered it back. And uh, you know how couples will have the romantic song, what was playing in the background the first time they got together? So we're sleeping on the foredeck of a race boat in Charlotte Harbor, and our first song together is <coughs>
0: the
2: Sound of the Mosquito.
0: Nice. So, so your sentimental song is Mosquitoes Coming After You. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: So what do you remember, Jean, about the very first few times you sailed with Jeff? How was it?
1: Jeff was so far different than other captains I'd sailed with because he had a very pleasant voice and way of explaining how to do something and then letting you do it. He was really the first person that taught me how to tie a bowline right. I can't tell you how many times I have heard the story of a rabbit going around the tree and he showed me how to do a one-handed bowline, and there's something about the way uh, hands-on learning that made it stick in my mind from then on. When I mean, literally, I've been going years hearing the story about you know, the rabbit going around the tree to tie the bowline, and I still didn't get it, and I didn't know what the rabbit had to do with anything, but <laughs> he just had a really great way, and um, never, ever, heard and raise his voice or yell at any member of the crew. So he seemed to have much more patience um, and just a a very laid back um, mentality that made it seem easy.
0: Oh, that's, that's amazing. That's so cool. And when thinking about a bowline, I remember when I was younger, learning how to tie bowlines. I think I was like five or something. And I remember hearing the lesson, it's the strongest of all knots. So when in doubt, tie it, it's also the easiest to break. And so you have to know how to do it if you're racing boats, because you need it, you can need it for anything, whether you're getting towed or to put around a piling or anything without knowing how to tie a bowline, you're kind of in trouble. And then I was trying to help a crew. I was teaching a crew somewhere along the line. And I was trying to teach all the women how to tie bowlands because they asked me and I taught them all and they could do it by the end of the lesson on that Sunday. We came back to train the next Sunday and not one of them that remembered it. And I didn't teach them the rabbit method. I taught them the one handed method and they still couldn't get it. And I laughed and I said, you know, some of these things are essential for yacht racing and sailing in general. And so you two, are professionals and you teach people different things in your yacht brokers and to sale has morphed and changed and everything talk a little bit about the initial vision and how you come up with this idea and the name of the company was really really cool and tell everybody about it because they've already heard both of your interviews and if you haven't listened to their individual interviews I'll put those links in the show notes for you But I really want to focus on the development of this amazing enterprise, and the gift they're giving so many people who want to learn how to sail. So tell us a little bit about Two Can Sail.
1: I think our vision came into play after we had taken off cruising on the cruising boat, the Sky 51, with just the two of us, and the two cats besides. And we kept meeting couple after couple that looked like They'd seen them, you know, were frozen deer in the headlights where they had just bought the boat, taken off. They'd never sailed at night. They really didn't know much about navigation. And before you knew it, we had like a flock of followers um, that were watching when we were ready to go because of the weather, um, when we were going to move to a different anchorage. They were like, Can we follow you? Um, We've never sailed at night. It would be nice to have another boat to sail alongside. And so we became kind of this roving coach for many, many couples all the way down to Grenada. And we realized that there was an education system in place to learn to sail, and you got a little certificate that said that you knew sheets from halyards, But once you buy the boat, you're on your own, baby. Mm. See ya, good luck with that.
2: So. And we'd often meet them in the Bahamas where they were fighting with each other because of their tension and inexperience. They were fighting the boat because they hadn't gotten in sync with the systems of the boat. You know, I used to sign off emails or notes to sailors, fair winds, smooth seas. Now if they have a cruising boat, I sign it fair winds and smooth working systems. Because as our one of our couples down island, we just met them, they're on their third season cruising. We go, you know, the sailing part you can get pretty quick. It's keeping everything working that takes your time and experience.
0: Yes, definitely. So Tucancel was born from then. And tell us a little bit about how has it evolved? How old is Toucanso?
2: Uh We started in 2008, I believe.
0: And 2007, 2007. 2007. okay. Okay, so that's 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. Wow, time flies.
2: Originally it was mostly education, uh, training, ASA types training, training on their boats, we also do seminars. We do full-day seminars at the major boat shows in both Miami and Annapolis. We do a full-day couples cruising seminar, a full-day catamaran cruising seminar. And this will be our 10th year of doing those seminars. As things evolved, our couples started coming to us to assist them in shopping for and purchasing a cruising boat. And we realized that as one of our mentors said, you're doing the broker's job and leaving the commission on the table, you might also become brokers as well. And so we started becoming yacht brokers so we can actually help them do the purchase. And then after purchase, we're not a broker who just sells them a boat and leaves. We stay with them to help them train and learn that specific boat. And then as they cruise to answer any questions they may have.
0: Oh, so that's a service that's so needed. So I remember earlier you were sharing with me, Jeff, about how you basically are available for anybody who works with you Forever, pretty much for, the, mm-hmm. for their life, they can email you or, or text you or locate you, probably cruising some cool place, to help them out. And that's a, that's a service that has great value, especially with the two of you as a couple helping them as a couple.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And you've written a book.
2: We have. The book is uh, Toucan Sale, How to Buy uh, the Five-Step Plan to Buying a Cruising Boat that walks you through a roadmap of what you want to learn and where you can go to learn that. And we tell anecdotal stories in there as well that helps you illustrate those points.
1: I realize people these days have very short attention span. So we wrote the book with uh, five steps and in each step kind of focus on 10 things you need to know at this stage to help people when you don't know what you don't know, How do you know what you need to go learn? So, to make it simplistic in a USA Today style format, that it's a quick read and you kind of get a checklist. So, it's not the five year plan, it's a five step plan because you can go through those steps as quickly or as slowly as you need. And we encourage each member of the couple, both male and female, to look at the list and say oh i know that or hey i don't even know what she's talking about so let's ask about it.
0: <laughs> wow that's pretty amazing i love it and we've just had this cat jump a little bit so if you heard noise in the background it's the kitty cat and uh i love how They have cats. I took cats with them cruising all through the Caribbean, two cats on the boat. You heard about them in the other podcast. and they have cats here in their house because I came to their home to do this interview. How sweet is that?
1: I have to tell you that that just triggers memory Uh that we use now antidotically in our seminars. How do you know when you think you're too close to another boat? How? When their cat jumps on board. You know you've gotten a little
0: too close. That's right. The cats can jump pretty good. Well,
2: we were in an anchorage in Grenada, and it's a deep anchorage. And we were anchored in the right place, but we had upped anchor to go out to a marine yard. And when we came back, we thought we had anchored right in the same spot. It was a calm morning when we woke up and I heard a bump on deck. I scamper up, and we drifted alongside an 80-foot steel schooner. We weren't touching, but close enough that their cat had jumped aboard. So I scooped up Mitsu and said, go home and tossed her around the back on the schooner. And looked at the genius says, we need to move.
0: So, you know, you're too close at Anchorage when the cat when on another the other boat jumps cat on your side Yeah. Oh, genius. That's a really good one. So, You've been teaching couples how to sail and pick their boats and do all that neat stuff for a while. And I know I follow you on and off from all the different adventures or I'll see on Facebook we're underway. I'm like, oh, there they go again to some really neat thing. And I'm sure you have some people that you've worked with that you still kind of remember that are like close to your heart or that you really, really resonated with over the years. And would you please share a story about maybe how it was when you meet somebody the first time and and they don't know anything or they know very little and and how was it for you teaching them together as a couple how does that all work like if i was going to come to you and i didn't know anything how would that work
1: initially it starts out kind of with an assessment of what are their hopes and dreams because men and women are in it for different reasons and it's something that I've kind of identified now with more than 500 different couples that we've worked with. who have sailed more than 250 different models of yachts that we have sea time on now. We've helped a lot of different people. When they come on board and we figure out where they want to go, and we found the right boat, and now you get the sense of, okay, now what? Going through the process of getting them to not be afraid of their boat. Mm -hmm. Um, Men show their fear in a different way. Um, Women are pretty right up front with what they're afraid of, so you can help identify it and spot it. And then we kind of work on that thing to overcome it. And it just is so rewarding after um, working with the couple to see her at the helm, confidently bringing the boat back into the dock. Um, I find that very rewarding, and, and we've been able to repeat that scenario time after time.
2: And I guess in this day and age, it's important to point out that uh, gender roles are starting to blur. Um, there is nothing about sailing that should be gender specific. Um, the forces on large cruising boats are beyond anyone's strength, man or woman. But um, most of our clientele are 40 or older. And we do have a different perspective and we want to address both of those perspectives. There's something else that I have seen in the educational process many times, and that is the instructor tries to get the student to follow the instructor's path. I remember this one mentor of mine way back when saying, no, the path I followed is the path that fit my feet. As an instructor, my job is to find the path that fits your feet. And so it's incumbent upon us to learn what path is going to work for that couple and help them be comfortable moving down that path. Maybe very different than the one that we followed.
0: That is a lot of consciousness and awareness. And that's one of the things that I personally have respected about the two of you for decades. And that is the attentiveness, the ability to listen, and the flexibility to meet somebody where they are and help them get where they want to go without throwing your personal agenda on top of them. Because the truth is the two of you are so skilled and so knowledgeable that it would be really easy to intimidate somebody, but you don't. Because you're so kind and you really want to support somebody in getting where they want to go authentically. And it's one of the big things, one of the many things I highly respect about the two of you.
2: And something else that we've done in our seminars because of the the distance between our knowledge and a beginner's knowledge, we have enough couples now that have gone through our program that in our seminars we will often have graduates come and talk as a panel at the end. And so now they've been finishing their first or second season cruising and they are closer to those that are in the seminar just beginning. And the seminar attendees really appreciate those panel couples because they enjoy us and they hear our stories and they get our knowledge, but it's great for them to talk to someone who's just a bit ahead of them on the path.
0: Just like the bridge. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's amazing. So is there a situation or a couple that you guys met or that you helped that Comes to mind that you think, wow, that was huge transformation. Maybe from a lot of fear or trepidation, or one of them had no idea, and they were able to kind of work through things. And now you look back and say, wow, that was really, really powerful. I think
2: we're each thinking of one, so I'll, I'll grab one first and see if it's one Gene's thinking of. This couple was from um, Colorado. He was a commander in the Navy, so he knows the sea. He knows navigation, but he had never operated a small sailboat. So that's where his training came in. She was an Air Force Colonel from Oklahoma and going, what's this water stuff? And so it was really his dream. And as we got him on the boat, we got him going, and after about three or four days of sailing and anchoring and doing the different maneuvers, she looks at him and goes, I understand now. This is great, it's my dream too. And you could just see him light up and go, yes!
0: Ah, she converted, she's bit by the bug, we're yep. good. Yep. Oh, that's really neat. And I bet you guys lit up too when that happened Absolutely. because you know the joys of of having that shared experience together as a couple and to see both of them finally in alignment together. That had to light your hearts up too.
2: And a few months later, we're coming home from a particularly tough passage. We're very wrung out. And we get an email from them saying, we just did it. We made our first sail on our own, anchored overnight, did it on our own. We are so happy and proud. And that just lit us up.
0: Oh, that's great.
1: I'm probably thinking um, more recently of a couple that we helped that have four kids. So talk about a transition. They're moving from uh, the North Pacific Northwest to Florida. They have done, the husband has had um, quite a bit of experience, including um, sailing one of the Heineken Cup boats um, long distances across the North Atlantic and um, she's had one week of a charter boat sale um, without the kids in the BBIs, which is all like, you know, paradise. And so they've now bought a 46-foot catamaran, in which she's gonna move her four children onto this boat. She's never driven a boat before. And now we're gonna homeschool the kids. So talk about some pressure. Yikes! and working with them the family the couple and getting her confident where um they've gone off on their own and went over to the bahamas and they've now come back to the marina after one season and she well, husband says i never docked the boat she drives the boat all the time <laughs> uh-huh. it's like so awesome to go from zero to live more cruising, homeschooling the kids, and keeping everybody happy and moving forward on the boat. Um, so they're very close to their first step, having one season in. I look forward to following them on their travels. Three points, the last one that uh, is a year ahead, another family with four kids. And they bought a, a Leopard 45 from us, and they've now crossed the Atlantic, and they're over in Spain and Mallorca. And it's so, so rewarding to hear the tales of them already cruising through the Caribbean, now crossing Atlantic the hard way from west to east. So uh,
2: even though our company is can Sail, we focus on working mostly with couples, we do work with families. And Gene says I relate to the teenagers very well because I still am
1: one. He's usually friends. Facebook friends with all the teenage
0: boys <laughs> somehow I understand that perfectly <laughs> so I just I just find that so thrilling and exciting that you get to be on like the ground floor of helping people realize their vision and you know my company is vision supplied, helping people live their vision and to spend time with the two of you you're living your vision so what do you see for the future
2: well, I hope more of the same. One of the things as we grow our Toucan sale, one of our clients actually said, we have a tribe. So as we grow our tribe, as Jean said, they're almost in every port, and we're able to introduce them. So as this gets larger and larger, we're, we're reaching a nice critical mass. So the future, I hope to continue to add more, to have them doing more of the training with each other. Um, we're actually getting some of the couples that have graduated all the way through our program. We're turning around and asking them to mentor some of the younger couples coming in, younger as far as experience level. And that's exciting. Um, As we age, I'm hoping that we'll do some of the less uh, rigorous portions and focus more just on the seminars and some of the brokerage aspects. And eventually our couples will come back to us and ask them to start selling their boats, which we'll certainly be happy to do, and find other good new toucan sailors to pick up the baton from
0: them. Oh, that's amazing. So do you have any plans to just go cruising the two of you?
1: I think it's interesting to find that um, when you study all the different couples that we work with, the normal path of the progression is they've uh, retired and then moved on the boat and lived there what they've been dreaming about for 20 or 30 years. And they do this for three to five years and then they want to sell the boat and move on to the next adventure. Um, For us, we had our cruising boat for 14 years, almost 15 years, and we've had the pleasure of visiting 82 countries. 83 83 countries, and sailing in so many different places in the world that um, I don't have like a burning desire to run out and buy another boat. What I would love to do is go visit. All of our two can sailors that have just transited the Panama Canal and are now in the South Pacific because that's one area of the world I haven't sailed. And I would very much like to go visit my my friends in Tonga and Fiji and uh, and, and Tahiti. And so I would love to do that uh, as far as any next step.
0: I just had this great vision as you were speaking, Jean, of You know, like locally, we have Charlie Morgan and the Morgan Invasion of having a two-can sale reunion and picking it in some really cool place and telling all of the what 500 plus couples, Mm -hmm. and then having everyone meet there at whatever the neat location is, and you you and Jeff can fly in and then have like this big huge reunion, all these beautiful boats and these great people and all the cool stories of all of their adventures.
2: We really hope to do that someday. Right now, we're able to do a mini version of that because we live in a marina community called Burnt Store Marina. It's a 500-slip marina. And we often have our customers that are relatively new to ownership. If they don't have any other home for the boat, they bring it here to our marina. And that allows us to have a boat manager keep an eye on the boat, and we train with them right here. So last summer, we had eight boats at the marina we have six or seven here right now that are at different levels of training. So this Saturday, for instance, we're going to have a mini version of what you described. We'll probably have uh, probably about 20 people gather for just a two-can sale potluck and share the antidotes and enjoy and develop the camaraderie.
0: Oh, that's really amazing. And, and earlier today, y'all, I had the pleasure of going down to Catamaran Row and seeing all the boats and actually going on one of them. And oh, it was spectacular and beautiful. But I think the best thing for me is to feel the opportunity for connection that sailing brings. There's something unspoken about the sailing community and connection from sailor to sailor. I was at, up in the Pacific Northwest and I saw a gentleman actually like one of those little county fair things and we were in a very small town. It was like a 2000 people town and he had a nude shirt on. Hmm. And I of course noticed that it wasn't a first place overall one. So we're okay. And I, I had said something to him about it and we compared which nudes we were in. Um, that stands for national offshore one design. It does not stand for naked sailing. just thought I'd clear that up and it, and it's an elite level of sailing. And so this man had sailed that regatta in Chicago and I had sailed that regatta in St. Petersburg, but I had never seen him before. I don't know his name. I don't even know if we exchange names, but we had this great sailing conversation in the middle of the Pacific Northwest by a really cool tree because of the shirts we were wearing. Mm-hmm. And there's a connection that transcends words and space and time and all of that. And so Jeff and Jean are like these great ambassadors and conduits to allow people to achieve something they might know they might have chickened out or never even tried it if they didn't meet you. So if there's a couple listening, or say anybody listening, and they're thinking about getting started, or maybe they got started and they got a little cold feet, kind of got scared, like they went out that first time and it freaked them out, or something like that, I would like each of you to share just a bit of wisdom like what would you want to tell those people like if they were sitting right here at the table I'm sitting at your dining room table if they were sitting at the table with us and they're they're just have that trepidation what would you say to them to help them say, see that maybe there's another way to look at it and maybe give them some hope
1: I'm gonna jump in here because what I've learned is it all depends on perspective and how you communicate with each other. There's just two of you on the boat, and uh, you're in a situation, many get worried because the docking experience was the thing that scared them from leaving the dock again, because they had a horrible experience landing, there was lots of yelling and screaming, maybe some damage to the boat. If it was something like that, then it would be worthwhile to perhaps hire a captain for a day or two, a couple hours, to help be the bridge between the two of you that might add a different perspective in there for you to understand that it can all be okay and that there might have been a different way to go about things. I find that when we communicate with each other, we try not to tell each other what to do. What we do is give pertinent information so if we're docking, for example, I don't yell, you're going too fast. I will just call the distance between the pointy end of the boat and the hard object that we could hit and say, it's 20 feet off the bow. And it's, then
2: I acknowledge, because if I don't acknowledge, she's not sure I heard. So Gino will say 20 feet off the bow and I go, Roger.
1: And then I'd say 18, 16 Roger that. 12 Roger. 11 Roger that. 11 11 so then i know that i'm holding the distance we're still not going to get there because if we don't get closer to that then i'm never going to be able to throw a line so the way we talk to each other or if he's going too fast i don't be to going too fast the distance would go 20 10 five four do i need to say you're going too fast if i say the distance is closing that quickly then hopefully you've figured out that we're going too fast
2: so the cadence is providing the information
1: and so just little tips like that in the way we communicate with each other i think we were talking earlier about racing and getting close to another boat you know if you're going to dock you have to get close so
2: so one of the things we learned early on in our very, one of our first sails together is I point out to my crew that if they see something, tell me. 99 out of 100 times, I'll probably have already seen it. But that one out of 100, it's worth hearing about. So Jean and I are sailing together. And I look under the jib, and there's a boat there. And I said, Gene, didn't you see that boat? She goes, yeah. Well, you didn't tell me about it. And I learned that her father had yelled at her so much and told her to shut up and not talk about the other boats that she wasn't gonna communicate. And I said, I'm not your dad, please tell me. And so we also know that just saying there's a boat, that's not helpful. There's a white 24 foot boat coming from starboard at hundred yards out, that's helpful. So that kind of communication.
0: So learning really good communication and maybe hiring somebody, a professional to help you bridge from whatever the anxiety or the trepidation is into having more confidence. And, you know, I'm sitting here listening to you and the communication point is so valuable. Those are really, really good tips. I think anywhere, (laughs) not just on the water. And, but the other part of it that I'm thinking about as I'm sitting here looking at both of you and I've known you for years is you both went from learning how to sail and you both raced a lot You've cruised a lot, you know, you're licensed captains and you're yacht brokers. And so your passion and love for sailing has continued to evolve over the years. And so two-can Sail and all that you're doing around all of that is part of that evolution of being the ambassadors and spreading the joy and love and amazement and skill necessary to be safe on the water.
2: Because Not only safe, but to enjoy it. Yes. To have fun, because that's the whole point of cruising. It's supposed to be fun. As a small side, when we talk about weather, well, we all know the beautiful weather. And we all know it's dangerous weather. But we have a slab of weather in between. We call the no fun weather. That can your boat handle it? Yeah. Can you handle it if you have to? Yeah. But do you want to in your cruising line?
1: No. So we have the same. it's okay to go back. Because when you're racing and in life, you're used to setting a goal and working hard to achieve that goal, and you're not giving up till you get there. Well, in sailing, Mother Nature is in charge. And if you go out there trying to go against Mother Nature, you know, things are going to break. It's going to be dangerous. So there are times when it's prudent to turn around and go back. There was one time we were sitting off uh, in the Dominican Republic, anchored out, and we had been listening to weather uh, forecasting, and there was supposed to be a downtick in the wind for us to go ahead and beat our way to Puerto Rico. And we left with another boat uh, just after sunset. We always record our tracks on our GPS so we can retrace our route even if you can't see. Um, Thank goodness we do that, because we went out there, we had another boat following us. We say, there's a guy following you, and usually he carries like a five-gallon bucket, and every so often he goes, and sprays you in the face with a five-gallon bucket of water. Well, that night that there was supposed to be this downtick, the guy had a 55-gallon drum, and he was spraying us. So we hailed the other boat, and we said, are you having fun? I'm not right. having any fun. <laughs> this is horrible. Like, you know what? I think we should go back. We can do that? And yes, yeah. we can. We'll go back and wait a day. The weather will change.
2: And what a difference a day can make. A day later, a fleet of eight boats left Luperon, and we had a beautiful, ended up motoring, but in flat calm, right to Boperron No problem.
0: Oh, that's amazing. So in cruising sailing, you can go back.
2: Yep. <laughs>
0: so- and it's, it's like, it almost feels like a foreign concept because you can't go back in life. You set a goal, you can't really go back and you can sabotage it, but not in that same way, you know, and just wait for another day and pause. Mm-hmm. You know, in some sports, there's kind of like, you know, football, the running backs can like stop for a second to get a hole in the offensive line or something like that. And so it's really about that perspective and that understanding that you have so many flexible choices to make sure you're still having fun and you're safe at the same time and it's really okay if you wait another day.
2: Another quick example is some very good friends of ours said that they had planned to spend a year crossing the South Pacific. They ended up spending seven because they were having fun. But in the entire time, they tacked once because they said, hey, if it was upwind, we didn't go that way. We either didn't go or we went somewhere else. And their plans changed based on which way the wind blows. What a concept.
0: That's the beauty of cruising. Where mm-hmm. When you're racing, you have to follow the course, no matter what you have to do. Yep. and, you, and know, you
2: will go out in that weather because there's a plastic trophy at stake.
0: That's right. Except there for a while, though, we got sterling silver trophies Ooh. when we were sailing Florida Ocean Racing Association. I still have a lot of
1: them. But we still have a lot in the trophy case there. Yes,
0: yes. To to be in Jeff and Jean's home is like memory lane for me and. It's just amazing all the experiences and everything. And so I'm wondering if you either of you have anything you want to say before we end the show that you would like to just put out there. I'll make make sure that I'm gonna have the links to all of their information in the show notes. So if you have any interest in following them or learning from them or connecting with Jeff and Jean, please do that. Tell them you heard them on the show. And if you haven't listened to their individual interviews when you're hearing this one go back and listen to them. Those links will be in the show notes as well.
2: I would just say if you're new to the sailing lifestyle, invest in it if you have the time because it is a wonderful community. It's a wonderful lifestyle. You'll get exposed to experiences and people and environments that you never thought you would. And you'll see places that you never thought you would. And you'll see them from a perspective that is just so wonderful. Uh, Some of the experiences I've seen at sea, um, dolphins outlined in the sparkles of fluorescence leaving trails behind them at night with the boat sowing sparkles into the air like you were in Disney World, things of that nature that will stick with you for the rest of your life.
0: Mm, Yes.
1: Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You can do this. I like to say mostly to the ladies that I have coached that have had this anxiety, yes, you can. Yes, you can do it. And if you go at it with that attitude that, okay, I'm going to give it a try and set little small goals, then as you accomplish each goal, you gain confidence one step at a time. And before you know it, you're doing it.
0: Oh, that, that's brilliant advice. And it's true. Everything they're saying is true, that some of the experiences and sights are breathtaking and awe-inspiring, and there's really no words to describe them. So thank you, Jean and Jeff, for being on Sailing Legends podcast numerous times already. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank
1: you. Thank you. We look forward to hosting you on one of our next adventures.
0: Oh, that'd be really fun. So you've been listening to Jeff and Jean Grossman from Toucan Sail, good friends of mine for a really long time, skilled sailors and people with great deal of wisdom. So if you're interested in what they had to say, please follow them or contact them and let them know you heard them on the show and see how they can serve you. But in the meantime, may you have fair winds and following seas. And until the next episode, be well.